good morning, everyone. I'll tell you what. I think I am plan D, and I'm not sure why I was actually humored into doing this. But it all started two weeks ago. And and Terry, I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to tell this story because of our relationship that we have with one another. But I was at Nathan's bridal shower with the groom, however you want to say that. And Terry comes up to me, puts his arm around me, and I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And he says, Mark, missed you at church lately. And so I was like, oh, there it was. There it was. And so I... I said, well, you know, my kids were sick this morning and blah, 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 came up with a bunch of stuff. And he said, I wasn't talking about this morning. You know, when you were a uh, child and, uh, you know, you disappointed your parents. And instead of getting that spanking that you so wanted, instead you've got that uh, quiet silent lecture I would have I longed for that spanking about then would have given anything for just to be taken out back and beaten and from there it kind of went into this into what we're going to talk about today Uh, this is a culmination of about four years uh, a conversation that I had with an elder's wife back when we lived in Abilene. And so I hope I can do this justice, but uh, I'm afraid when I get done, you're going to say like, and that's all you came up with in four years. And I'm going to say, well, I don't have a lot going on up here. So uh, we'll do our best and we'll see, uh, we'll see where we get. I have discovered that I am a young Roscoe Haynes. Now, I told Roscoe this morning I was going to talk about him in my sermon, and Roscoe's reply was, couldn't pick a better subject. And I thought to myself, that's good. That's good. That's something I would say. And so, you know, I have known Roscoe for about 10 years now, and it was, it was one of those relationships that when I first met him, he welcomed me in. You know, I'd go over to his shop and, you know, a 10-minute checkup on him would turn into an hour and a half later of just looking at things. Because if you've ever been to Roscoe's shop, it's just full of all sorts of stuff. Mostly unfinished projects. And Roscoe will tell you, yeah, I have to get around to that one day. Yep, yep, there is a Volkswagen Beetle that's been sitting in there that's needed to be wired for about the last eight to nine years. And I've I watched him do it many, many years ago. He had the wiring schematic right there. And he was like, ah, yeah, we'll just save that for another day. And every time I, I go over there, the last time I went, which was probably about two years or so ago, I stopped by, saw him over there, and it was under the tarp, and he was like, yeah, I still haven't wired that thing. 
And so the other night, I am sitting in my shop, now that I've got a nice large shop, and I'm sitting there looking at all of these unfinished projects, which creates, if you know me semi-well, it creates anxiety, because I don't like to have anything unfinished. But sometimes I start things, and I go into things, and I don't have enough time to finish them. And so I've got all of these unfinished projects, and I'm just sitting there thinking, "Ah, when am I going to get to them? Maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. And at the same time, I've got this bug zapper right outside the shop door. And I finally broke down and bought a bug zapper, hopefully to get rid of some of the mosquitoes, but I haven't, haven't had much luck with the mosquitoes, just the moths. And the great thing about moths, and I find it hilariously funny when a moth flies in there and gets electrocuted and fries because it's like a minute long. And I just laugh. It it, it brings great joy. I don't know why. Probably because I was a kid and we'd sit out on the porch with my grandparents and we'd hear one. And we'd just start laughing like, oh, that's a good one. And and that, that joy has come over as an adult. But as I'm sitting there with the week and a half that I had to figure out what I was going to, how I was going to put four years into this simple sermon, I realized, and I think about it a lot, how short life really is. That there, that, that life in one moment, you're enjoying the light, flying around the light, and the next you're you're some blue jays treat in the morning. And when you think about how fast life goes, you know, I often think about Roscoe being older towards the end of his journey. I, Roscoe, I hope you've got another 20 left in you or more. But, yeah, 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 but as I think about that, I ask myself, when I am Roscoe's age, Lord willing, I make it to Roscoe's age. I don't have high hopes for myself, but I, if, if I make it that to Roscoe's age, I want to be able to sit and say, this is what I've accomplished. That I can look out and say, this is what I've done, because at times... Right now, I sit around and I say, what difference have I made? And when the end comes, what difference have I made to those around me? Genesis 22, 1 through 19 and following, we look at the story of Abraham. And when God calls Abraham to go up and sacrifice his son Isaac. It's a story that we all know very well. And it's a story that that really brings home the idea of sacrifice. The first ultimate sacrifice of a father willing to give his son for God. Just give him up. We know that it didn't happen. We know that that God provided. But we know how faithful Abraham was. And it was the process 
Not that it actually happened, but it was Abraham's willingness to actually go through with it and sacrifice his son because God told him to do so. And story after story through the Old Testament, we see, and even into the New Testament, we see that blessings come through sacrifice. That I can't think of a sacrifice or a, a blessing that was given that didn't come at some kind of cost. That there, whether it be a physical, uh, a physical sacrifice, um, some sort of mental sacrifice of giving time or of money of some sort, there is some sort of sacrifice that's given. And ultimately, we know because of Christ that there must be a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice. That is why the Old Testament was so big into sacrifices. So what I want you to do this morning, I want you to have something to write on and uh, something to write with. And I want to ask you a couple of questions, and I would like for you to answer them. Because this is something I want you to think about, not only throughout the sermon, but if you come back over it through the next couple of days. The first question is, what have you been blessed with? And part B, what sacrifices did you make to get those blessings? What sacrifice, what, what have you been blessed with? I think that's a fairly easy question. I think in, in the time span of about a minute, you can write and write and write and have all sorts of things. It gets a little bit harder when you have to think about what type of sacrifice did you make to get those blessings? Because most of the time, when we talk about blessings, we all blessings are from God. Agreed. But what were, did you do in the process? What was your part in that process to get that blessing? What did you have to give up? Now, this is where it gets trickier. Second question. How have you blessed others? And what sacrifices did you make to give them? We talk about all the time, of, and, and we talk about it just in, in free conversation of how blessed we are, the blessings that we have. But very seldom do we ever approach it as more of an inventory for ourselves of how have I blessed someone else? Can I say outright that I was a blessing to someone without them telling me that I was a blessing to them? How, how do I approach that? How do I know that I was actually a blessing to them? But if you were, were a blessing to them, then what did you give up in the process? What was sacrificed for you to give that blessing to them? They're both very fair questions, and I think they both apply. We're just more comfortable talking about one than the other. Throughout the Bible, we see, especially Paul, Paul loves to talk about the sacrifices he made for Christianity. We'll see it in Philippians uh, 3, 4 through 8, when Paul talks about all the things he gave up for Christ. 
And for doing so, for knowing Christ and loving Christ and doing so, he was giving up all those things for the gospel, for others. But he doesn't just come out and say, yes, I was a blessing in this way. I think sometimes when we talk about blessings, we have a hard time talking about the sacrifices that were made in the process. What, how did we sacrifice for those blessings to either give or to get? So as you're thinking about this, I want to ask, what did you give? What was it that you sacrificed? Was it something physical? Was it yourself? Was it your time? Which made me think, what, it, what is the most valuable asset that any of us have? Is it money? Well, we can get more money. You just got to work harder. Is it, I don't know, what is it? And it's, it occurs to me, and I've often thought this, as I've grown to mature throughout my life, that the most valuable asset we have is time. It is the only thing we cannot get back. We can always find more money. We can always have more things. Uh, but we don't ever get time back. Once time's gone, it's gone. And you could try to make up for it, but that time is gone. You know, I, I don't think when you have a, when you ladies do your ladies' day things or you do your secret sisters or anything like that, you do it because you want another smelly candle or a handwritten card. You know, I, I think you do it because of the time spent with one another. It's not the things that you get. It's the time that we spend with others. And with each other, and, and what a blessing that has become. Now, I'm like any, anybody else. I, I love a good gift. I think back to when I was a kid, some of the best gifts I got. And at the time, I thought it was because it was a great gift. But looking back, I know, know it was a great gift because of the sacrifices that uh, my parents made to get me those gifts. Wasn't the gift. And maybe that's just maturity that comes along, but I think eventually you realize it's about the relationships and the time spent, not about the physical thing. We are a culture that has everything we need. I think most of you can say that we have a roof over our head, we have food in our belly, we've got clean water. We got everything we need. We don't need more stuff. But man, would I not give to have more time. You know, I talk about, I've talked about this many times with my grandmother. Uh, you know, when I'm driving is when I tend to have call home and check up on my family. And my gr- grandmother, being a widower, we have a lot of conversations. And uh, 
talked about this paradox between, you know, I would love to have more money so I can go do stuff. But to have more money means I work more so I don't have time to go do stuff. So do I have money and not have time to go do stuff, or do I wish I could go do stuff and not have any money? So I go back and forth trying to figure out what, what's the best way to, to go about that. Or, or as another way to put it, as, a, as our cultural, cultural saying, is one door opens, another door closes. We give time. Time is ultimately what we give. True sacrifice comes with how we manage and prioritize our time. And sometimes that is just a kick in my own backside. Because I am not always the greatest at prioritizing and managing my own time. Something about getting married and having kids. I, I don't know. But I, I do struggle with that. And, and I'll be honest. I don't always want to come to church. I know you're not supposed to say that. But I don't always want to come to church. And, and I don't mind telling you that. I don't mind being straight and honest with that. Sometimes I see it as just another task of something I have to do where there's something at home that could my time could be better used. I tend to burn the candle a lot of time, most, most nights, here and there. Whether that be get the house clean, sleep a little bit more, maybe I've got a project that I need to get finished, just something, anything to occupy my time. And I have this, what comes about is this, this thought process of, well, I don't necessarily get anything out of church anyways, so why do I need to go? And I know you've heard that before. I know you've had those conversations with people where they will tell you, I, I don't see a real point. I don't get anything out of it anyways. But it's that constant realization, and I have to step back, and that's why I appreciate Terry holding me accountable, because I look, I, I revert back to how it was when I was a kid. We, we did not have that growing up with my parents. It wasn't, we didn't look at it this way. We looked at it something else we felt like we needed to do. We'd go, we'd show up, and there we have it. And I don't think I ever asked why, other than God says, church is important, and it'll help you spend time together, all of these shallow answers. And, and I didn't ever really ask, well, why? And I think that's where this, where this conversation I had with this elder's wife about four years ago, really my thought process began to change. And I have been asking the wrong question all along because it's not about what I can get out of church but about what I can give the question comes how can I bless others not about how others can bless me Acts 20 35 uh, it's a quote that is not that is made by Jesus that is not found in any of the Gospels. 
We've heard it so much, we assume it's in the Gospels. It's not in the Gospels. You can't find it. It's only found in Acts. And it's, and the quote is from Jesus that says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Something that all of us would agree with once we've reached maturity. Now, if you're my daughter, she would probably say, I would much rather receive than give. But as we reach maturity, we begin to see that there is a whole lot more power in blessing someone else than receiving that blessing. That the blessing that we get comes from the actual giving. I have, uh, I had a high school coach growing up, very close with the guy still. Uh, and I remember vividly in college when we went off to become Bible majors, me and my twin brother, that we were sitting in his living room about a year or two later. And he said, man, we're just, we're just not church people. You know, we've tried it. We just, we don't really get anything out of it. You know, we, we believe, we kind of believe that you can, uh, that you can still believe in God, that you can still uh, have a relationship with God, but you don't really have to go to church or be involved. It was about, oh, probably five, six years ago, not long after we had the conversation, that they began fostering children through the state. And it wasn't long after that, through everything that they'd been through, that they finally ended up adopting three kids. And it was then that I, that I saw a change within him because then I find out that they're starting to go to church because the church they're going to has a foster parent adoption program for parents that are that are struggling with the whole process. And they ended up finding community within that group. And now they attend church all the time. And the change I saw within him was, was no longer about what can the church give me, but what can I give back? Because once they started taking on those children and being a blessing within the lives of someone else, things started to change. Their perspective started to change. Their biological kids don't go to church. I'm friends with their daughter. They're not really into church. They do. They go to church. Their adopted kids go to church. But it wasn't until they had a paradigm shift within their life that they begin to see something a little bit different. First Corinthians 11 through 17 and following, we see Paul talking about communion. And usually that's when we talk about this verse is in the context of communion. But when I read through it, what really stood out to me was the whole idea of eating communion, being together. The whole idea of coming together and waiting for one another 
And the blessing that it created through taking the Lord's Supper together and just being in one another's presence. In fact, it says, Paul says, it is not the Lord's Supper you attend. By not waiting for each other, by one eating and another not eat, and, and before the other one gets there, by doing your own thing and not being t- together, it is not the Lord's Supper you're eating. It's not you participating within Christ. Well, it's about the togetherness and not those individual practices. Look over at Ephesians 5.21 and following. Submit to one another as Christ submitted to you. And it goes on, and, and it's talking of, goes on to talk about wives submitting to one another. Or, well, good grief, that would be bad, wouldn't it? <sighs> wives submitting to their husbands, husbands submitting to their wives, uh, slaves submitting to your master. I hope none of you have slaves, by the way. But uh, the ver- it goes on and on and talks about the idea of submitting to one another, ultimately out of love. Or another way of saying it, serve one another, bless one another out of love. More than this, just this idea of submitting, but this idea of blessing one another through all of your actions and in everything you do. And Ephesians is Great, And once you read through Ephesians, you see the togetherness of the body of Christ and the importance of being together. Obviously, it's not just about church. That the way you are a blessing to others is just not about on Sunday morning. You can be a blessing well outside these doors every single day. And I hope that when you're writing this stuff down, that you realize the blessings that you are outside of these doors to other people. But the main question I'm proposing is how are you a blessing here. How are you a blessing to others? And I think that blessing, we, we, are, we are called to live our life as a, as a blessing to others, as being sacrificial to another, another. Romans 12 through 1 talks about being that living sacrifice through everything we do. Being a sacrifice to one another in all aspects of life. However, if we are not present right here, when we meet and come together, how present are we going to be amongst non-believers? Well, maybe you can, but what example does that set? And that's when it, you really start to get into it. If I... if if I believe, truly believe, that it does, that the church, that I can believe and be separate from the church, then I've missed something. Because we see 
that Christ is, that the, the church is Christ's bride. And the importance that Jesus placed on the church. And throughout the writings we see that the church and, and Christ are one. And yet, how can we say that we can have one without the other? What it says to the unbeliever is that I am a believer, but I don't need church. I don't need all those people. It's not all that important. But here, right here, sets the tone not only for our attitude for our week, but it sets the tone for our attitude when we're out with non-believers. It is so important that we have to recognize that you cannot, cannot be a believer and not be a part of the church. The two go hand in hand. Because if, think of it this way. What kind of relationship do I have with my wife if I never see her and we're never together and ultimately I just claim her as my wife? Some days it feels like that. But what kind of relationship are we going to have? How can I claim... We, we're, we're marriage by, by title only, but we really don't have a part of one another. And it's the same thing. You cannot claim to be a Christian and fully know God if you're not a part of the church. You have to be together. And so, when I ask the question, the questions, I'm going to kind of answer them very quickly for you. What, what blessings do I have? Obviously, my wife, my kids, my, the roof over my head. I've got all of these blessings at home. Well, what about church? The relationships I have with people in this building are a huge reason to why I'm here. I can't tell you how much of a blessing Leslie is in my life. I have never seen a man, very seldom seen a man, let's put it that way, that could be as busy as he is, that could get up here every time the doors open to present a sermon and yet still be present in your life. Every conversation you have with that man, he's there, he's present, he's willing to be with, there, with you and talk about to you. That's, that's hard to find. He's such a blessing. Okay, well, how have I been a blessing to others? Hopefully I'm a half-decent father. Some days I don't feel like it. Hopefully I'm a half-decent husband. Some days I don't feel like it. Uh, hopefully, I, I know I provide for my family. I, I work very hard to provide, so in that aspect, that's a blessing. I go to school every day, and hopefully I teach a bunch of little middle schoolers 
something important about life that they can walk away with. And hopefully, I, I pray that I'm a blessing in that way somehow. But what about church? How, how am I a blessing right here? I had, a, uh, I had a professor in college, Dr. Jesse Long, Jr. Love that man. And very much a sense of humor, kind of dry sometimes. But every conversation you had with him ended like this. Glad you got to see me today. That's it. Glad you got to see me today. And you'd kind of laugh and go, <laughs> yeah. And then thinking about it, it's true. Man, I was glad I got to see him that day. What a blessing that relationship we had from just having those conversations, from get, just getting to see him. And it makes you realize how important presence is. You might do nothing else. But you being here today and simply being present, present in the lives with the people around you, that is a blessing. Why do we come to church? For that reason right there. To be a blessing with others and to be in one another's presence. You may not do anything else, but if you are here, and you are present, you have been a blessing in someone's life. And it is very encouraging. I want to end with just the question, how have you been a blessing to others? And what sacrifice did you make to do so? Let that sit with you this week. Mull it over and see, see where you go with it. If you have any needs, if there's any way that we can be a blessing to you, whether it's to pray with you, to, to maybe just give you a hug, or maybe you want to be baptized into Christ, join this body of believers. We're willing, we're waiting, and we'd love to talk with you. Please stand while we sing our closing songs.